So, um, I'm attempting to use this fancy clicker, thanks Will, for the first time tonight. So, yes, here we are. So, I'm Leanne and I've got, um, this is my family, so Jefferson, um, Evie, um, Henry and Bethany, uh, here they all are. This is, um, with Je the reason Daddy's on the picture is he's very proudly showing you his watermelon pig. So, um, there is a woman called Annabelle Carmel who writes kids' recipe books and thinks it's a great idea to turn a watermelon into a pig so you can serve the melon balls out of the pig. Um, really, I think she just doesn't got enough to do. But, um, <laughs> so, so one day, the kid, we had a watermelon, the kids decided they wanted it to be a pig, and I, frankly, if, uh, if Daddy hadn't been there, the answer would have just been, you know, get animal caramel for a mummy. But actually, Daddy made the pig, so there he is with his um, children and his uh, animal caramel pig. So, um, yeah, so we moved here to Bainsoe when I was pregnant, um, and um, I haven't worked and been employed as a doctor since um, I had Evie. So the decision to stop work for us had lots of different elements, um, some practical and, and some a bit more spiritual. Um, both Jefferson and I had mums who stayed at home when we were um, young, and we had both really appreciated that. Um, and practically, when we first moved here, Jefferson's job meant that he was working very long hours and doing lots of foreign travel, um, so he wouldn't have been able to help out really with any childcare in any kind of reliable uh, way. And our families are both in Yorkshire, so although they would have been willing, they're just too far away to help. Um, and when we'd been on the Wirral, I was already working part-time as a GP and part-time as an apprentice at our church. And as part of that, I'd seen women combining being at home, looking after children, and also having opportunities to share the gospel and to get involved in ministry at church. And so I think I'd always, always had that in kind of the back of my mind. And when I had my baby, fundamentally, I just felt that I wanted to be at home with her. I just wanted to be at home with my children. It was something quite primal, really. Um, and not to miss anything, um, but to be there while they grew up. Um, and also to be the main influence on them while they were young. Um, so Jeff and I wanted the main influence on them in their early years to be a Christian one. And, and we both felt that this was um, the kind of thing that would be best um, if I did it full-time at home. So the best thing for our family was for me to stop work and concentrate on being at home um, and try and do that well, um, rather than trying to do lots of different things and, and ended up doing them more badly. Um, so Jefferson set up his own business uh, back in 2010. Is that right? Yeah. And, um, and so the possibility of my having to go back to work has sort of always been in the background if the business hasn't been successful. But um, God's been really good to us in providing work for him so that to date I haven't had to go back to work yet. Um, so I did really love being a GP, as I said, but I don't um, regret my decision to stay at home. Now, of course, there are loads of women who have to do all the things that I do as a wife and mother and also work um, in paid employment. Now, in some ways, they have got a much harder job than I have, although I have to say, without exception, all the women I know who are employed say that they go to their paid employment for a rest. Um, so uh, there are loads of different childcare arrangements out there and, and lots of hardworking grandparents. And I'm just, I don't want anyone to feel that like I'm trying to judge anybody or tell them what to do. Um, and I do feel really privileged that I have been able to stay at home. And I know that's not everyone's experience and, and some people can't afford to stay at home or can't be at home even if they wanted to. So, so I don't want to put anyone on any kind of guilt trip because that happens anyway when you're a mum or anyone feel really criticised, but I just wanted to um, yeah, do what I've been asked to do, which is to share our experience really. And also, I do want to say that I'm in no way trying to present myself as a model wife or mother. Um, 
so those of you who know me or my children at all will uh, understand that very clearly. Um, so I'm sorry if you came expecting to hear loads of brilliant words of wisdom from an expert. Um, what I want to share with you are the things that I need um, to keep reminding myself of as I kind of lurch from one day of frantic activity um, to the next one. Because there's always a to-do list that's as long as your arm. And no matter how many things you tick off, because I like ticking things off my list, um, there's always more being added every day. So in the middle of the doing, though, there are many encouragements and some challenges. And these are what I'd like to share with you, um, as well as the parts of God's word that I try to remind myself of in the midst of the tears and tantrums, which are often my own and not just the children's. <laughs> so, um, so what do I do all day? Well, it is a bit of a juggle. Um, so at the moment, I've got two children who are in school, and um, Bethany has just started preschool for two mornings. So um, as well as running a house for five, so the shopping, cooking, cleaning, washing, ironing, all that stuff we all have to do just to keep life running. Um, I also do the school run each day and I spend time ferrying our children around to various clubs and activities. Uh, between them, our children are involved in swimming, chess club, art club, ballet, modern tap, dance, musical theatre, piano, flute, orchestra, chess club, Spanish ceramics, toddler group, whiz kids and ace. Um, fortunately, <laughs> some of those things happen in school time and not all of them require any money. My husband is very relieved to know. Um, so Jefferson's now self-employed, so I also help him out with some uh, bit of back office stuff. And I'm also involved in leading Thursday toy time um, focus and um, Sundays at four. So Jefferson normally leaves the house uh, before 6.30 in the morning, and he isn't usually back till around 7 p.m. So I do have to be able to run things for myself and the children fairly single-handed, although when um, he's at home, Jefferson is really, really helpful. So I thought it would be, be helpful to share a typical Wednesday, um, although today hasn't been a typical Wednesday because um, Elle Webster very kindly offered to have Bethany for me this afternoon, so I've had a very chill day. But actually, I'd like to show you my typical Wednesday. Um, so on a Wednesday, uh, Henry has a chess club at school that starts at quarter to eight. So on a good Wednesday, I drop him at that club. On a bad Wednesday, I have to stay and help. That's bad because A, I don't play chess, and B, I have to get everyone ready and have everything ready for the whole day and be at school quarter to eight. So today was a good Wednesday because he went straight there. Evie, I, I then came home, got the girls ready, um, got Evie to school, and then because it's um, the Focus Wednesday, I came to Focus, which is great, uh, brilliant, really love it. Um, and then normally after Focus, um, eat, Bethany would eat her lunch here, and then we would go home, and I would probably put her in front of the telly for a few minutes while I race around to make sure there's a dinner done and various other things that need to happen. And then I do try and spend a little bit of time with her on her own, because that's really her only one-on-one -on -one time, as soon as the, kids, the others come back from school and she has to share mummy. Um, and then normally on a Wednesday, I pick Henry up at 10 past three from school. Um, Evie has art club, so she stays at school. So I come home, give Henry some food, because he's going swimming later, and make a pat lunch for Evie. And then we all go down to school for half past four. And she, when she comes out of art club, we get in the car. She eats a pat lunch while we're driving to QMC. Henry gets in the pool at five. While Henry's in the pool, Evie does her spellings and her times tables. Then she goes to get changed. He gets out at 5.30. She gets in the pool at 5.30. Then he gets a shower gets himself sorted, does his reading and spellings while she's swimming. She gets out, has a shower, we get home. Um, they've kind of all eaten in and among this, so then we try and get them to bed and then sort of collapse and sometimes go to home group. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of, you know, they're not all that bad. Wednesday's quite a bad day, but um, yeah, it's quite a lot of ferrying and being busy. Um, so being at home, it was a massive adjustment to, um, to start with. It's a, it's a change of role. And it is um, really a change of pace too. Um, and being a GP is a great job and I really loved it. 
Um, but I think there's a slightly odd thing about it in that it comes with a certain sort of elevated status. Um, and I think that by stopping work and not being a GP anymore, some people think I, I've done this. That I've kind of gone for, it's like a reverse Cinderella. So, you know, so, so you have the nice shiny sparkly job you know, that you were doing and you know, achieving it and all that. Stuff. And you've kind of somehow swapped that for being at home and doing drudgery things and scrubbing floors and all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, because I've got, gone from a job with a sort of a funny status really, to a job that really doesn't have any status at all um, in the eyes of the world. Um, the government doesn't value staying at home to bring up children. Um, they want to um, send more and more uh, mums back to work for longer and longer hours. And so they can put their children into childcare and they're making um, things easier for mums to be able to do that. Um, and in our society, we've completely devalued looking after children. Um, a friend of mine was asked uh, by a five-year-old boy uh, recently what she did for a living. And when she said that she was at home looking after her two uh, children, he said, yes, but what's your job? What do you do? So, so we've actually taught children that actually the thing you need in, in life is a job and the, thing, the things looking after your children at home is just the kind of thing you do on the side or in your spare time. Um, so, hang on, it goes that way now. Um, so yeah, so in society being at home is, is just not valued really, but it is actually really important. And I do think as a society we may see the consequences of that over the next few decades as um, we find out what, it, what it's meant for a whole generation of mums really not to have really been at home. And being a mum isn't the brainless job that loads of people seem to think it is. It's not all scrubbing floors. In fact, don't scrub floors at all. Um, but it does take a huge amount of wisdom, energy, patience and creativity to teach and train and love children and to equip them to, with the skills that they need in order to be able to engage well with their world. Each child's an individual, so sometimes slightly frustratingly, the approach has to be different for each one. Um, and the challenges are different um, between children. And there's just a huge developmental change from a newborn baby to starting school in actually what you think is just under five years. Um, so helping and supporting that I think is really important. And also as a Christian mum, um, I want the biggest influence on my children's early years to be a Christian one. Um, I could have picked loads of Bible verses to, um, to illustrate this, but I actually went to the book of Proverbs, which is full of instructions to a son to listen to the teaching of his parents. And here's a flavour of that. So Proverbs um, chapter 1, 8 and 9 says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. There will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. And then uh, later in Proverbs it says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old... He will not turn from it. Also, um, slightly longer from Proverbs 2, it says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will find the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, of course, in order to believe, the Holy Spirit has to be at work and someone has to believe the gospel. But I think the biblical expectation is that as Christian parents, we will be teaching our children God's word um, and God's truth. And that takes time and energy, and we'll be thinking a bit more about that um, in a few minutes. I do feel really privileged to have been at home, and it is great fun with my kids. And I can't believe how quickly the last nine years have gone. Um, it's great to um, spend time reading, colouring, baking. It's a carrot cake. That's why she's showing the carrots. Uh, colouring, painting, Play-Doh, and all the other fun things. And it's really wonderful to see how they've changed and matured over time. And also to experience the world afresh um, through their eyes. 
things like um, the changing of seasons. As adults, we just take so many things for granted and just get on with our daily lives. But um, it's been really wonderful to watch the children discovering those things. Uh, so Bethany, this is our youngest, who's just three, is at the moment just extremely enthusiastic about life. Um, and she has great joy in things like jumping in, in leaves and puddles, and she's so excited about snow, and I really think she's going to be disappointed this year. Um, but yes, here she is, she's planting, she's baking, and also she's just planted some seeds. But it's really brought home to me the wonder of creation um, as I experience it with my children, and also as I see how wonderfully they are created. Um, watching them develop and grow is a real joy and great fun. Um, but it's not all days blissfully making jam and doing jigsaws. Um, I have been asked to talk about opportunities and challenges, so I'm going to look at some different areas of what I do and, and talk about the opportunities and challenges of each of them. Um, and the first one is about the 24-7 nature of the job. And it's a picture of some marathon runners. And then it's also a picture of uh, Evie and I who did the Hook Fun Run in Hook last year. That's two and a half miles, which frankly is the nearest I'm ever going to get to a marathon. But... Um, <laughs> But motherhood is a real marathon. Um, so I'd worked in busy jobs before I'd had the children. Um, as a junior doctor, I had done various shift patterns, uh, days, nights, and, and on-call jobs. And my longest continuous shift was from Friday morning uh, to Monday lunchtime. Um, and I had been used to carrying a bleep and being interrupted in the middle of the night and um, in the middle of meals and sleep and that kind of thing. So I think it was quite good training, in a sense, for being a mum. But even after the longest shifts at work, I could go home and get some rest and, then know, and know that the bleep couldn't get me. They couldn't get me. Um, that's not the case now. Um, although getting up to my children in the night um, when they were very young was easier, it was easier to actually know what to do um, than when I had to get up at work, it was every night. And when they did finally sleep through the night, um, as a mum, you're still on duty 24 7. Um, so Jefferson is really happy to help out, but in reality, during the week, he just isn't really there although he does provide me with the most important sanity of the week, which is a weekend lie-in, which um, is even sometimes till half past eight, which is marvellous. Um, for most of the time I've been a full-time mum, I've had one or other of my children, or combinations of them, at home with me for 24 hours a day, which is great and lovely, but also quite a challenge, um, especially when you need a couple of minutes to do something like go to the loo, because there is no privacy. They come and knock and shout and those kind of things, or, um, or make a phone call, so no matter how quietly they're playing, um, if I just nip off trying to pick up the phone to organise anything, then suddenly the volume surrounding just goes up by about 25 million decibels and someone starts crying or, or, or kind of needing attention. And then, you know, three of them can be shouting, Mummy! You know, from three different parts of the house all at the same time. And, um, and yeah, so and the amount of washing, ironing and all of that kind of stuff is kind of exponential, really. Um, and I just, I just don't quite know. I can't quite work out why anyone ever felt the need to invent concrete because if you've ever tried to get dried Weetabix off a high chair, really, there is nothing else you need. You, know, you could build houses on it. You know, it's just... Um, so it does take a huge amount of energy to get everyone up out of the house for any activity, and have they got what they need, and have they all been to the loo, and, um, and, you know, and is there something for a sweet when we get back, and all of that kind of stuff. So it can feel quite relentless. Um, so I find it helpful to remember the words of Psalm 121. And that says, I lift my eyes up to the hills... They're Yorkshire Hills, by the way, because that's what's on. <laughs> um, um, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Um, 
I think bringing up children, really, there's no manual and no training. And very quickly, when I had uh, the first child, I just very quickly got to the end of myself and my abilities to, to sort this out and to uh, feel like I knew what I was doing. So I think there's not been nothing else in my life that's really driven me to depend on God, um, like having children. And it's a great comfort to know that God never sleeps and is always with me. Um, from when they were very small to the 3 a.m. feed, or if anyone, you know, have to clear up vomit at 5 a.m. or whatever. Um, God's always there, always good, and always in control. And I can always turn to him. And this psalm, too, is a reminder of where my help should be coming from. Because as things get easier and they sleep a bit more, and, and you go into a phase where it's all kind of tickety-boo, it's, it's tempting to rely on self. Um, but actually, my help should be coming um, from the Lord. And sometimes when there's been a particularly tough issue or it's been a hard week, uh, sometimes my tendency can be to talk to everybody else about it and see what they all think, um, rather than actually turning to God and depending on him. Um, because although other people are often very helpful, ultimately it's only when um, I turn to my Heavenly Father that the change of attitude and heart that's usually needed uh, is able to take place. So we've got our next area. I don't know if you know who this is. She's called Jo Frost, and she's a super nanny. And she, um, for a few years, I think she's slightly gone off the radar now, but she, for a few years, is a big exponent of the naughty step, because um, our next area is struggling with sin. Um, over the time I've been a mum, I've come to believe more and more in the doctrine of original sin. Um, that is that we are all born sinful. Um, anyone who doubts this just needs to volunteer to help in creche or come to toddlers uh, one Thursday. We're all born wanting our own way and not wanting anybody else to tell us what to do or have authority over us. And as the mum of a three-year-old, I spend a huge amount of time teaching her to share, to be considerate of others, not to scratch, bite, or hit other people. And it's just amazing how slow this kind of behavioural change is. Um, you really feel like you're having to overcome what is just completely hardwired in. Um, in complete contrast to other aspects of parenting, things like learning the word biscuit, chips, or chocolate, or where the biscuits live. You know, you only have to show them that once, and they've got it, you know. Um, so, the human heart is sinful, and um, I've spent a significant chunk of my time at home disciplining and attempting to train my children in obedience, which is um, a hard job. It takes lots of wisdom and patience, and is very much a work in progress. But Psalm 145 um, helps me hear that says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. That needs to be my model for dealing with my children. But I'm constantly struggling with sin in my own heart. Sometimes longing for a bit of peace and quiet, just a bit too much. Sometimes I've just got so much on my to-do list that I need to get done that day that the kids just get in the way. When I need to get dinner ready or quickly do an important job, then I can feel myself becoming resentful of the demands that they make on me. And I'm often uncompassionate, quick to anger and unloving as I try and get it all done. So I often have to repent and ask forgiveness from God and also from my children. And remembering God's compassion and grace to me helps me to be able to extend that to my children. As we've already seen in Proverbs, parents have a unique opportunity and role in teaching their children. And uh, the next area is talking, which is obviously something I'm terrible at, as you can see. Um, so the Bible has lots to say about talking to our children, and it's got uh, this passage in Deuteronomy, talks about um, talking to them um, about, uh, about the Lord, 
Um, it says, love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So spending time at home with the kids means that I do have time to talk to them about God, to read the Bible with them and to explain the gospel to them. And when they spend more time away from school, um, from home rather, sorry, when they start school, then there are also opportunities to help them um, to make sense of the world from a Christian perspective. Um, this is especially true at the moment for Evie, she's nine, and um, she's aware that the lifestyles and, and opinions of lots of children that she's at school with um, aren't necessarily uh, marrying up with what God would teach, and, and in some cases are actually very anti-Christian. Um, and so as we're walking to school and driving around, um, I try to find out what's going on in her world and how it's going with her. Um, I do try to talk to her about a Christian response to um, her relationships with friends and, and those kind of things. And I suspect that that will be more and more important as she gets older. Um, we also have Christian songs on loop pretty much constantly in our car. And um, all the memory verses I know pretty much have been set to music by Colin Buchanan. Um, and I find as we're driving along, the kids love it, but it's also really helpful for me. It's often my heart that is really ministered to by the words that um, he's singing. The words of the songs often also provoke questions. So what does that mean? What does so-and-so mean? You know, like, and, um, and recently it's been lovely to hear the children answering each other's questions. So Evie was having a really good track, crack at explaining the Trinity to Henry the other day in the car. So it's doing a pretty good job, I have to say. Um, which, um, probably because our family is also really blessed to be part of the church family here. And the faithful Bible teaching that the children receive week by week is probably where she got that from. Um, but it is a huge source of encouragement to us um, as parents. Um, so thank you to Caroline and to all of you, lots of people I know who are involved in all sorts of different children's work here. And as parents, we really, really do appreciate it. So thank you very much. Now, trying to have a gospel focus for our children means remembering that the most important thing that we want for them is that they know and love Christ. So in the middle of things they need to learn for school, I need to be careful that we prioritise time spent in God's word and talking to them about it, and that it doesn't get squeezed out in favour of tables and spellings and, and all those other things that just need to get done. Which brings me on to my next area, living by grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, our children know us, warts and all. You do, don't you? When you, get to, when you live with someone, you really get to know them. And I need to remember that I am saved by God's grace and that I need to model this to my children, that I'm a sinner needing forgiveness just as much as they are. I want them to know that God loves them because he is good and not just when they are good. And although obedience to parents, by the way, is biblical and does help the family to run more smoothly, so they do need to do that too. But I also need to remember that God is in charge of their salvation. Um, I can feel it like it's my job to do everything and control everything. And of course, given the ages of my children at the moment, it is possible for me to know where they are, what they're doing and who they're with pretty much all the time. But of course, it's not always going to be like that. Um, and I can't control how they respond to the gospel. So I need to pray that God will give them the gift of faith. And I also need to remind myself not to boast. There is a temptation of me to take pride in my children when things are going well, um, that on the days when they're well behaved or doing well at school that I'm a great mum. And also, in the activities that the children do, there's a performance culture out there that starts really young. 
Um, it's not enough for a child to learn a musical instrument these days. You know, you've got to sit your grade eight by the time you're nine. You know, and um, and it's not going to just like football. You have to be spotted by some Premier League team, and you know all of that stuff. There are mums who find their own value uh, um, in the achievements of their children, and I think that's particularly true for those of us who've come from um, an academic kind of achieving background. So I need to guard against that and try to have a gospel priority, and not boast in my birthday cakes or <laughs> anything like that. Actually, everything you can see on that lighthouse cake was not done by me. I did the cake inside, but Daddy did the whole thing, so I'm not boasting. I'm boasting in him. He's very good at cake. Um, or in our reindeer that, um, that we had at Christmas. Um, but yes, I need to remember. Um, sometimes I find myself being envious of other people's children um, who seem successful in particular areas or who are particularly well-behaved. Um, especially if it's during a time when I'm really struggling with something with my own children. I need to remember that ultimately my success as a mother won't come from the achievements of my children, um, academically, financially, or even Christianly, if that's a word. Um, I'm a forgiven sinner, and I'll still be a forgiven sinner, whether my children do well in life or badly, whatever measure you use to um, decide that. But God's grace has saved me to serve him and to boast only in him. Now, the next area is time, and actually, yeah, oh, I'm not doing too badly. Um, so in any busy job, time management is really important, and I do need to be organised to get all the things done that I need to, and I also have to work around the, the school day. However, it's really lovely to have choice over how I spend my time. Making the most of a sunny day to go to the park or being able to meet up with friends is really lovely. Um, but being in charge of your own time can also be quite challenging. Um, finding time and discipline for regular quiet times is a constant struggle and something that I've had to move around and adapt as the children's routines have changed. I used to do it when they were having daytime sleeps, but then you have more children and they get older and they don't sleep at quite the right time and then they stop sleeping at all during the day and it gets harder. And my children have always got up way, way before me. Um, so getting up before them has not really been an option. And at the moment, the solution that I have at the moment is I shamelessly put Betty in front of the telly when we get back from the school run to snatch some time. Um, although it is a real discipline not to be distracted by the constant nag of the to-do list and all the other things I could be doing uh, with that time. I know that I'm better able to reflect God's love and grace to my children when I've spent time in his word. In fact, I'm completely unable to do it without it. And being in charge of my own diary also means that I have slots in the week where I am able to meet up um, with friends, and I really value this. Um, being a mum has been fantastic for forging relationships with non-Christians through NCT, uh, toddlers at school and, and other groups that kids are involved in. And being able to share my life with non-Christians does give me opportunities uh, for evangelism, although I don't take as many as I should. But I have had the privilege of sharing my faith, which has been wonderful. And it's much easier to do this, I find, as a mum at home than it ever was when I was employed, um, because I think people are meeting me for me and I find, felt much freer to be able to share my uh, faith. And I'm also blessed to have a group of Christian friends that are amazing sources of wisdom and help to me. Um, Jefferson's family and my family are all in Yorkshire, and, and just lost count of how many times our church family has um, stepped in to, with support, encouragement, and practical help uh, to our family. Our children also have great friendships with the children in the church family, which are really, really important to them. And it's great to be able to talk and pray through issues with other mums, even if it might just look like having coffee in coffee shop, Clive, and um, to have time to meet together during the day. Um, and I'm also really fortunate to be involved in Focus. Um, 
I really value the um, faithful Bible teaching and it's been really key uh, to me over the last nine years. Um, when the children were small, it was quite difficult to get into a whole service and to get to house group, and then it was really vital, but since, it's just been um, brilliant. I love it. Um, it's really, really helped me to grow as a Christian and also to, to witness the work of the gospel happening in other women's lives and them growing. It's just really uh, been fantastic. And also looking at time in a wider context, I need to um, remember to make time to enjoy each season in the life of my children, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, there's a time for everything. So um, the time for dressing up, it's a B, by the way, um, playing at the park and um, going to Legoland, it won't last forever. So I need to remember to enjoy and make the most of each stage. And also to remember that the challenges of each stage, will, a particular stage, will also pass. Because when you're in the middle of them, it doesn't feel like they're ever going to. Um, so to finish, how can we best, uh, as a church family, support uh, our mums who are working at home? Uh, well, pray for them. Um, pray that they um, pray them wisdom, patience, and also gospel priorities. Ask them how you can pray for them, and if you can, offer to babysit and give them a small amount of child-free time. And, uh, and what's next for me? Well, I don't know really. Um, as the children get older, we'll have to face the joys of teenagers, which I feel completely unprepared for. Um, and I don't know how long uh, staying at home is going to last for me, but I'm very thankful for the time that I've been able to do it. What have you got? What advice have you got for for um, the, the for the dads? Oh, oh, I don't. I should get Jackson up here now. <laughs> oh, well, no, no, no. John's, that's a good idea. The floor's the floor is yours. <laughs> I think I mean, um, you're obviously a super dad. I mean, you've got at least three positive kind of comments. I mean. And the decorating of the cake was just superb. Yeah, no, the cake, the cake's become a bit of a tradition. Yeah, we've my just... son made me a cake on Saturday. My wife sort of, you know, has pointed out I wouldn't even have a clue. <laughs> I've never oh, really? made a cake. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And he made it with real cream. Anyway, right. that's... Um, um, but so, so, go on, I'll talk and then you can say whether it's true. Go on, okay. I just think it's just having appreciation of each other's lives, isn't it? So obviously I could be busy at home during the day and then Jefferson walks in and he's been out, so he's been on 6.30 to London, he gets home at seven o'clock and it's, the kids aren't quite all in bed. And so the minute he walks in the door, I'm like, come on, get on, what have you been all day? I've been on my own. You know, it's actually, and you've had a whole hour on the train from London alone, you know, that, and an hour there alone, you know, and, uh, and you've been to the loot on your own and you probably drank a coffee on your own. So actually, frankly, get on with it. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the call. <laughs> I think that can be the temptation. Uh, whereas the poor chap's been really busy all day and gets off the, and would just like to come in and kind of eat something. And so I think that's always the tension of trying to understand each other's viewpoints. And I'm not always very good at that, which is what he's going to say now. Um, Wouldn't dream of it. <laughs> but also just trying to enjoy all the times because I think it's it's really hard to get anything else done when you've got kids. So we've just had an extension and we're trying to decorate it and put up DIY furniture and all of that stuff. And, and it's really hard to do when they, the kids are around, but actually it's really precious time when they're little and they grow really quick, so just try and enjoy it, I think. Would you like to get a word in, Jeff? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> th thank you. I think, um, I, I think probably trying to be um, considerate and aware of what's been happening in the house when I've not been there. So, I, so I mean, so things like um, um, when, I am in, when I am working in London, quite often I, I, so I do have time on the train first thing in the morning um, to, um, for some quiet time, right? Whereas 
um, my wife hasn't had the opportunity. So I think sometimes it's things like trying to think about ways to um, create that opportunity f for you sometimes. Um, and also, and things like when I get home and I've not seen my children all day, um, of course, and, and if they happen to still be uh, n not yet in bed and they're small, great, marvellous, right? and I want to play with them for a few minutes, and actually that's the last thing that Leanne wants to see happen when it's, as you can see, when, when it's nearly bedtime, you know, when, when she's trying to get them nicely quiet down. I think. So I think there's an element, isn't there, of, um, of, of consideration for one another. Um, and, and I think also, I think just coming back to that, I think um, I, I think we've both been quite aware uh, um, of the um, the need as parents um, to to be taking responsibility for teaching the Bible to our children, and it's then how do you work that into the routine, particularly if you're not, so Mike, if if, if, um, if I'm not there at certain times. So I think particularly now, what some, one thing I have done actually is I've um, I've tried to shunt my working day a bit earlier. So that actually that, that I am there in the evening, at least in time to read the Bible together and, thing, and things like that. Right. So, don't know if that. There's, there's, all, all, there's all sorts of ways I think you could go, but I think they're just a few, a few examples maybe. Thanks, Leanne. That's great. Um, like you say, it's a real privilege to be able to um, give up work and be a give up paid work and, and take on work as a full-time mum. And of course, lots of people, as you say, can't do that. Um, but, but I mean, for you, when you were a GP and then, I mean, wh what sort of response do you get from, from sort of old friends or colleagues who sort of say, oh, you've given that all up, you know, aren't you silly? Yeah, so I think it's very, very rare to meet someone else who's, who is in my kind of peer group of being a doctor who doesn't work. Um, I can only think of one friend of mine who went abroad and couldn't work and so then decided she was going to stay at home with her children. Um, so, yeah, so I think they think I'm a bit mad. Um, I think they think I do, so it's quite easy for me, if I'm not careful, to say, they say, what do you do at home all day? And I say, well, you know, look after the children, but actually we're really involved in this great church and I do lots of things there, so I kind of give this impression that I'm some sort of, you know what I mean, I spend all my time doing stuff for church, which is kind of okay for them, because that's like a job, do you know what I mean? So actually saying, actually, you know, I'm at home and I think this is important, um, I think they're quite bemused, really, and I think most of them think that they wouldn't be able to afford to stop working, although most of the couples I know are both doctors, so actually they would, really. Um, I mean, they'd have to give some things up, but, and live in a small house and not go skiing and, you know, those things, but actually they wouldn't have to really be on the breadline, so I think it's a real, but I think that's, that's the kind of career it is, isn't it, that's, that you're on that kind of treadmill and that's what you're going to do. Um, so, um, I'm, you know, one of my grandmothers thinks it's terrible. Um, she was really proud of me when I became a doctor because it's like, you know, she's like that. And, um, and then when I haven't, she just thinks it's terrible and thinks Jefferson is the nicest husband in the whole world, that he will allow me to, to waste my time at home what, instead of working. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's, that's that. Just have you um, thought about going back to um, work uh, as a GP at all? Uh, yes. So, so I've thought, I haven't ever had a, minute, a moment where I've kind of thought about it seriously. Uh, occasionally I do think, oh, it would be nice to be back where someone, people would treat me nicely. Um, but no, um, yeah, no, I think, I think I don't know. So I really love doing it, and so it's not, I haven't said, oh, well, I hate it, I'm never going back to it. But I think like anything, as you get older, if I did decide to go back, I would be quite picky, and things have to run a bit more around family. And I think that's probably the case when you have children in any job, really. Um, and also we'd have to sort of think quite practically, because the, the academic year is only 30 weeks. 
um, and so not many people get 22 weeks of holiday a year. So we would have to be able to think quite creatively. So the answer is, I have sort of thought about it. I think I'm suspending all decision. We've still got a child who's not at school. So when she is at school, I think I'm just going to try and keep my head down for a bit and hope no one notices and just enjoy having a bit more time to get all the things done at home. And then, and then I don't know. It just depends, I think. what I was quite relaxed about it when I stopped because when I stopped, it looked like I wouldn't be able to get back in. And I think I had to come to terms with the fact that maybe if that wasn't right and God didn't want me to go back in, then that's fine and I would just stop. Over time, there's now this terrible shortage of GPs and all the junior doctors are all going off to Australia now. So there will be, still be a shortage. So, so maybe it would be more possible than it was, but I think we'd, we'll have to just kind of park that. And, but if it's right, it might happen. And if not, there are probably other things that I can be doing um, with my time. So I don't know. Thank you, Leanne. Really, thank you for, for all you've said on behalf of all mothers. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a very practical question. In terms of returning to work, should you want to as a doctor in this country, how easy is that or how much retraining or extra would you have to do to be considered if you'd been out for 10 years yeah. odd? So. Um, I, I may not be completely up to date on this, I did investigate it slightly when I was thinking about stopping. But I think it very much depends on the um, postgraduate dean for general practice and uh, whether they were interested in having what we call a returner. So when you're doing your GP training, you work in a practice and um, you have a trainer who you work alongside. And so when you're a returner, when you've been out of practice, you would have to go back to that kind of post and the postgraduate dean general practice would have to fund that so it's whether they're interested in doing any of those funding whether there's a place and um, I think personally I would um, I'd want to go on lots of courses and find out what's been going on because actually although I've got lots of friends with doctors we really don't talk about medicine when we see each other so um, so yeah I think I'd want to go and kind of retrain a bit um, and also do uh, there's a, a scheme a return a scheme um, but um, yeah I think it all depends on money and funding and those kind of things but they would have to be training because literally i've gone you know gotten quite a lot of it now um this isn't a babysitting offer necessarily <laughs> but oh we'll take those sam well, honestly i'll just bite your arm off no, that's yeah, but, but are, are there practical things that people who don't have children can do to help people who are you know with children and particularly you know busy families yeah well i mean i think it's just the great thing about being in a church family is we're all different, aren't we? We're so I don't think there's any um, other part of my life where I know people who are from different, such diverse age range, life experience, and backgrounds. And it's just, it is lovely um, to get to know people. And, and the great thing about our church family is we can, um, because I think there is a tendency, especially after the service, for all the parents to kind of congregate together, partly because the children are in here and we know where they are. And we kind of have this feeling that we should probably know where they all are, although that doesn't happen all the time. We very frequently lose at least one of our children after the service here. Um, but not for long. We kind of vaguely know where they are. So I think if we're not careful, for all of us, we'll end up getting into sort where we know people who are like us. So the people I will know best in the church family are probably other mums. But it is really nice, I think, to be able to get to know each other and to understand um, you know, what's happening for parents and for us parents to understand what's happening for other people in their lives because actually um, it's quite all-consuming being a parent and, and that can be all you can think about sometimes and actually it's really interesting to find out about someone's challenge with their job or how we can pray for them and support them. Um, yeah, I think it's good. Sometimes being at home in the day can be quite lonely, so particularly if you're 
um, child is, is quite young and is being a little challenging. Um, so I think if you're around and, and can get to know people and, and see them and um, yeah, just I think just sharing, helping to share in people's experience because actually and, and finding out about it. Because when you say you're at home, people often don't know what to say next. Um, so it's good just to find out what, what's going on with people, I guess, and, and to and be friends with them and yeah, babysit their kids if, if you feel so inclined. <laughs> Yeah, thanks ever so much, Leanne, because um, I could really identify with a lot of what you were saying. <laughs> um, and it was really, really helpful, particularly um, the parts about the church family supporting and how important that is, because I know it was one of the things I really, really appreciated um, when I was at home with the children as well. But one of the things that you brought up um, was about, um, you brought up the picture of Joe Frost and mentioned the naughty step. Uh, which I don't think was around <laughs> when ours were little. But do you have any tips or advice on any aspects of discipline or rewards that you have found particularly helpful? Um, I know in the light of they're all, the children are all different and different yeah, things yeah. work differently with them. But do you have anything that you could mention that, have you, that you found has been really helpful? Yeah, I suppose it, is, it does really depend on the age of the child. But I think... There kind of times for us when it's been most relevant and it kind of disciplines felt most difficult is probably when they're quite young. So they're kind of two, three, kind of toddler defiance, really, which we're sort of in the full throes of at the moment with our youngest one. Um, just that real, you've asked me to do it and I'm not going to do it because you've asked me. Do you know what I mean? That real. So I suppose um, I did use the naughty step a bit, but actually I just used time out, really. So they um, have a warning and then go into their room. When they were smaller, um, we didn't take ours out of cots for ages and ages and ages because they got up too early because we were frightened they were going to come into us. So, um, so they've always been in their cots till they've been quite big. So they've gone into their cot or into their bedroom for the, num for, for the number of minutes of the age of them. And I found that really helpful. Actually, gives me that many minutes just to calm down because um, there's just nothing like your own kids to get you really, really, really mad. Um, and when, it, when you've put them, you know, when you've disciplined them for the 27th time that day and it's only 9.30, you know, you just, you're kind of thinking, how long is it till daddy comes home too long? You know, um, so I find that that gives me time to calm down and then go back and explain why I put them there um, and get them to say sorry. Um, and also to um, be able to talk about how we don't do that again. And also, um, particularly, I have to say, I probably do this less than I should, but we've gone through phases where we have persistent problems so that we can pray about this and talk about how God wants us to, um, to behave towards each other. Um, and I think we have to try and have boundaries and so the children hopefully as they get older know that when we say no we mean no and and that will have a consequence um, but I think it is really really hard and you can just feel like it's never I think with each of them they get to a stage where you just feel it's you're never going to get there and then suddenly you do with that particular thing and then it moves on to something else but I think as they've got older so Evie certainly as she got older was much less challenging and is less challenging now Henry never really has really pushed the kind of whole being defiant thing, we were very blessed with him being very placid. Um, but Bethany's really into it. The force is strong with this one. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's just keeping going. And I think other mums are really helpful. So, um, so Bethany has kind of safe friends who she can play with. So she plays a lot with Barnaby, and and you know she'll clout him and he'll clout her. And and Ella and I will both try and deal with it in the same way. And I think that's really lovely that when they've been going through those phases of not being able to share and those things, that actually. 
we've kind of just been in it together and I think that's been really helpful and, and also just other mums are really helpful for guests for seeing how they do it because um, every time I meet up with people for coffee or whatever I just think oh yeah that's how they do it and then um, and so just plagiarize anything that works really um, and we have used rewards we've used um, reward charts um, we had a pasta jar that the idea was you had a reward when it filled up to the top. I'm not sure it ever got to the top, actually. I think we all forgot about it in the end. But, um, but yeah, those things. I think when I got into a period where I felt like we were having a very negative... So sometimes you get up in the morning and think, we're going to struggle with this issue again today, and I'm feeling negative about it before I even start. You know, I'm not even out of bed, and I'm already thinking, this is going to be a terrible day. Then actually to try and reverse it and reward good behaviour. Um, and kind of still discipline the bad behaviour, but don't have it as your kind of focus, because otherwise you get into a very adversarial kind of thing which isn't good but um, but no it's really hard and if anyone knows anything that works especially for defiant three-year-olds then come talk to me in the coffee break <laughs> okay, one last quick question and a quick answer Andy Tucker in the middle there we actually made a big mistake for a short period with Joe Frost Superman and that was allowing our kids to watch it as some kind of <laughs> oh yeah no they must and never entertainment know entertainment show because some of the behavior on there is quite yeah, outrageous yeah. and <laughs> our kids started to tell us how to parent after <laughs> um, but my question yeah I found lots of that very useful and found myself smiling wryly with lots of the challenges that you uh, talked about but in raising a boy and two gorgeous little girls I mean they're still quite young I just wonder, I think girls have got a big challenge uh, and there are certain expectations on girls these days that maybe weren't present a generation or two ago. Uh, how do you and Jefferson look at that as they grow older and you talk about career aspirations and the example you set for your daughters? <coughs> have you got any comment on yeah. that at all? I mean, I think probably what we want for all of them most is that they know Christ. And actually, I think... I think we're actually quite fortunate in a way that we're both from families where there isn't a high level of academic expectation. So, so we are both kind of unusually academic, if you like. So actually we come from, it's true, we come from families of plumbers and electricians and HGV drivers and firemen and nurses and, and things that are more... So I think, I think, I don't think we have a kind of expectation on them, and I hope we don't, in terms of kind of academic abilities or that kind of thing really. Um, so I hope we want to provide as much opportunity as we can for them to hopefully find a job that they like and is interesting. But actually, um, I hope that we will be as th thrilled that they're Christian, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, I've got a brother, he, he's a coach driver, and one of these, you know, super aspirational mummies at dancing said to me once something about my brother, and I said, oh, yeah, he's, a, he's got three boys and he's a coach driver. And, um, and she said, and your mum must be so proud of you that you're a doctor. And I was like... And really not proud of my brother because he's a coach driver you know that was the implication and i just thought actually so i think we want them all to know christ and then i think for what the girls decide to do in the future is really up to them and, and as they grow up and and you know you know have, have families and and if they have their own children that actually they're if that, that they can you know do whatever they like with their um kind of circumstances really um and i haven't yeah i just suppose that we just had to do what we think is right for us but i hope we would grow up having you know knowing Christ as a priority and and hopefully not let the world mold us too much because I think most I think it's because we come from a much more working class kind of obviously you know background and so I think being here and being in this part of the world and being in the kind of people we mix with it is really really key. people are just you know we're serving education the God of education and aspiration and your child must be amazing and earn you know an absolute fortune and so I, I kind of hope that we're 
um, that we don't have that really. But um, yeah, we, we know people who challenge us, we do, fortunately. <laughs> yeah, and thank you very much indeed. Thank you.